0: Luke chapter five. Everybody turn to Luke chapter five. Thank you for coming to chapel. I appreciate your volunteering to do that. I know you had the option to sleep in and you chose to get up and come to chapel. Some of you had to get up before breakfast. Yeah, that's impressive. Some of you are just learning that the sun rises gradually. It's always been up there in the sky by the time you got up. And now they're teaching you some things about physical science along the way. Talked to you today about starting to serve him. Getting to know him last night. Starting to serve him. This event follows. It is after Matthew chapter 4, Mark chapter 1 where the Lord Jesus said to Peter and to Andrew, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It's after that, At that occasion, they left their nets and they followed him. But strangely, we see them later. Verse two, he saw two ships standing by the lake But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. Now think about that. Anybody from a family that owns a boat, uh, imagine you down to the lake, take your boat in, back it down the ramp, winch it off the trailer, tie it off to the dock, go park your truck, And you come back and somebody's sitting in your boat. What would you say? Hi, how y'all doing? I was born in South Carolina, grew up mostly in Michigan, graduated high school and college in South Carolina. And I know some of you Yankees don't know this, y'all is not plural, y'all is singular. All y'all is plural and all y'all's is is plural possessive. But I mean, I want you to get the picture. Jesus walks over and gets in Simon's boat and sits down, acting like, like he owns the place. Well, I guess he does. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The Lord Jesus can never intrude. He can never ask too much of us. Now he makes some requests. He prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he left speaking, he said, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught or a draft. And Simon answering, what is the correct answer to a command of the Lord Jesus? Yes, sir. Right away. I'll be glad to. That's the only right answer. Simon answering said to the master, We have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Jesus said, let down your nets. Simon said, I'll put one net in. I've been washing them, I'm tired. i fished all night, want anything to catch. I'd like to get a little rest before I have to go out again this night. I put those nets in water Got to clean them, clean them up again. And Jesus, you know the preaching business. You asked to sit in my boat and talk to the crowd. I said, fine. Didn't ask you how long you're gonna be there. When I get the boat back, what all you're gonna do, I just let you use the boat. But I, I know the fishing business. We're professionals, Lord. If there are any fish to be taken out of this body of water, we'd have caught them last night. But I'll humor you, and I will put one net in the water because we ain't going to catch no fish anyway. And when they had this done, verse 6, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken, so also it was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not from what's the next word? Henceforth, thou shalt catch men. Lord, open our hearts to your truth. Direct, please, and empower me by your spirit. We promise. I give you the praise for all the good that is done. Teach lessons to us that will help us in our college days and all through our time of serving you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you are settled. You're called. You know what God wants you to do. You'll need to, to, to develop while you're here. Some of you are surrendered. You're called and you're willing but you don't know what God wants you to do. You need to determine, uh, determine that. Maybe in an interview day, you talk to somebody in the Spirit of God and say, yeah, that's what I want you to do. Some of you are stubborn. You know God wants you to serve him. You're not willing to do it. You're held back in there. You're like, my dad, I'll do anything except be a pastor. Some of you are seeking. You're willing. You're surrendered. You'll do whatever God says, but he hasn't called you yet. As far as you know, you need to discern. And some are sojourning. You're just here. It's good to be here. It's a good place to be. And you haven't been willing to say, okay, Lord, my life is yours. You can do anything you want with it. See, it's an amazing thing how many times we think we are smarter than God. as if you know better what will bring you joy, what will make your life useful, what is a good fit for you than the God who created you. Solomon said, who knoweth what is good for man in this life? Answer, nobody, just God. And Peter has been... Invited, introduced, instructed. And he's starting to serve the Lord at an earlier time. Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And he and Andrew left their nets and followed Jesus. But now we find them back fishing. Their service was intermittent. They followed him, they left their nets, Now they're back to what they were doing before. He hasn't learned that serving the Lord Jesus is not an on-again, off-again thing. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Sacrifice has never come back. Sacrifice is never temporary. Sacrifice man then say, I'm going to be crucified at three o'clock this afternoon, but let's have lunch at five. Peter hadn't learned that. His service is intermittent. One foot in his old world, one foot with Christ. A lot of people like that. Now the Bible says in the book of James: the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It says, no man, Jesus said, having put his hand to the plow and not turning back, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Looking back. Brother Getch is a farm boy from Wisconsin, mostly dairy farming, did you ever plow? What would happen if you're plowing and you're looking backwards? Wouldn't be a straight for Wouldn't have his eye on the target. Wouldn't go where he's supposed to go. And one of the dangers that you will face in your walk with the Lord is the tendency to keep a foot in the world and a foot with God and to be intermittent with your service for the Lord Jesus Christ. I got out of high school when I was 16 years old. Started college when I was 16 worked my way through, ran out of money more than once. And one day I said, I am tired of this. Barely getting by, scratching to get my bill paid enough to take my exams. I'm gonna join the Army. And then I'll come back and I'll go to school on the GI Bill. And it all figured out. Vietnam War was going on then. You could Volunteer to serve, get a two-year hitch. If you volunteered to go to Vietnam and then stayed there one extra month, you got out six months early. And I had a favorite summer school. I could get out when I would normally have graduated anyway because I'd already skipped your high school. I went down, I got the papers, I filled them out. Didn't ask advice, didn't pray about it. Didn't check with my parents, see if they thought that was a good idea. I was over 18. I was very intelligent. I knew everything about life. And I mean, you know, so there's a few bullets, a few hand grenades and a couple of bombs, but it was a good plan. In the kindness of the Lord, I got a job from Roadway Express. The minimum wage was a buck sixty an hour. Roadway Express paid $4.81 an hour. I was with the old casual help. They'd call you 11 o'clock at night, say, come in and work, you'd work all night, go to school the next day. And I didn't ever complete my registration into the United States Armed Services. I've got bad knees, I may have been rejected anyway, but I didn't think about that then. I was looking back. Now, I didn't say I'll never serve God, I just said, I want an easier life, I'm tired of struggling to get by. I I don't like this business of never having enough money to buy a honey bun. Always hoping you got a buck or two to put gas in the car, that's when it was down to 50 cents a gallon, so you can get somewhere on a buck or two. I'm gonna find an easier way than the path God has laid out for intermittent my dad graduated college he married my mother before he graduated i was born during his last year of school and he went to washington dc to be a rescue mission chaplain and he got down there and the superintendent was a good guy but his wife was a total pain in the neck if my dad was a song leader she'd try to set the tempo on the piano instead of following him Just in case you're in music, the goal of an accompanist is is to accompany. Not to run the show. You can teach him that, Brother Cox. (laughs) And uh, bossy told my dad what to do. And my dad said, I'm going to get mad one day and tell off this bossy woman and get fired. I think I'll just quit first. And so we quit. Look, Michigan moved in with my grandparents, my wife's mother and father. And then he got thinking: I'm young, I'm good-looking, I've got a college education. it has been about 1954, 53, when not many people had a college education. I'm going to get a good job and make some money. And he went out to find a job, and he would go in and he'd present himself. He didn't tell me he was young and good looking, they could see that, but tell me he had a college degree. And they'd say, What's your major in? And he'd say, Bible. And the unsaved world rebuked him. They would say, Well, nice young man like you, seems like you ought to be in the ministry. And he was backslidden for about six weeks. And then he said, All right, Lord wasn't long after that, God sent him to the Perry Baptist Church. had a fabulous ministry there. From there to the Detroit Rescue Mission, Dad had a tremendous ministry. They started the radio broadcast, the camping program, the medical clinic, the ladies' program. Built the building that they're still in. Today, it is the largest rescue mission in the world. Last I knew, and this was probably 10 years ago, their budget was $20 million a year. And they built on the foundation. God used my dad to lay. wanted to maybe go back. You're going to be like that. Hey, can I tell you something, young people? The lessons you learn by being in trouble, wondering how you're going to make it, and seeing God provide will stick with you the rest of your life. God does not want you to wait until you're out. From college to trust him, he wants you to learn to trust him now. Intermittent. My favorite Bible commentator is John Phillips. John Phillips got out of the ministry for a while. He'd been badly treated. He was wounded. He was troubled. He had a friend, had a big trucking company and he hired him and he had a great job and tremendous opportunity for advancement, making lots of money. And he was miserable. He preached at a little church nearby where he was working and a friend his heard him. And he said to him, man, if I could preach like that, I wouldn't work for a trucking company. It unsettled him, but he kept working, kept making money, kept being miserable. Finally, one day, a Christian businessman, a godly man, took him out to lunch and said, John, you are wasting your life. And within a month, John Phillips was back in the ministry. I I commend to you his commentaries. An amazing man. At the end of his life, he joined Bobby Robertson's church in Walkertown, North Carolina. Bobby Robertson never finished the eighth grade. And this brilliant educated man put himself under the leadership of that godly uneducated man. His funeral was at that church. And the rest of his life served God. Intermittent service. I hope you never look back like I did. I hope you never turn back like my dad briefly did and John Phillips did. But if you ever do, I hope you come back to God really fast. His service was intermittent. It was intense. Now here's what Jesus asks of him. After he's gone back to the old way of life, he's been called, he's left his nets, but he's back fishing. He said to a man who had worked all night, can I use your boat? Tired. Man, you ever work all night? Feel wonderful in the morning, don't you? I have been so tired after working all night that I felt like I was watching myself do stuff. Does that make sense? out of the body experience. And Jesus, Jesus could have done something else. There was probably people that had boats that hadn't fished all night. Jesus could have walked on the water. Jesus could have had one of his wealthy followers and he had some. Joanna, the wife of Chuza Herod Stewart, followed him, ministered to him for substance. And Jesus could have had one of them build a nice dock and a big gazebo out of the end with a soundboard but he used the boat of an ordinary fisherman who had worked all night. Can Jesus use your boat? Can he use it when you're tired? You're going to say, man, this is so hard. I am so tired. I got tired of the rules. I got tired of the studies. I got tired of the rainy South Carolina winters. I got tired of my roommates. I got tired of working and studying and never having any time for myself. Somebody told me one time a saying the world is run by tired men. I like that story of Gideon and his army. they're faint, yet they are pursuing. The ministry's wonderful, the ministry's thrilling, the ministry's great. I'm glad God let me serve with a life, wouldn't want to do anything else. But it's not a walk in the park, it's not hour a 40 hour week, it's not a be sure you get eight hours sleep. Every night it's intense. But as Peter is starting to serve the Lord, his service is not only intermittent and intense, it is incomplete. Peter, put all your nets in the water, and I'm going to give you a great big catch of fish. Well, I'll put one net in. Always something about us that wants to negotiate with God do a little less than he wants us to do. I don't like working on books. My books will be available. You can buy them each for 10 bucks a piece. I'm not even going to tell you about them, but a lot of people buy them. I think they'll help you, and they're surely a good deal. You can sell them on eBay and make money. My wife's will be back there. But, man, I I hate the detailed work of writing. I hate going over and proofreading and adding things and correcting things and researching things. I don't like it. But my books may last longer than me. They will go places I've never been. They will be read by people I've never met. They will help people I don't even know. Now, my books are my loaves and fishes. I preached a series. Somebody typed it up. We went back and forth, did the somewhat arduous process of getting them ready to print, and then God multiplied them. But. I, I have trouble disciplining myself to sit down and write. I don't have trouble working. I live in the country on 10 acres. I'm always cutting trees and clearing brush and running stuff through our wood chipper, planting new things around the edges of the yard. But I just don't like that. There's some area of your life that God wants you to serve that you don't like. There's some things that'll be essential for you accomplishing God's will for your life, and you'll resist. And like Peter, you'll think you know better than him. And you say, well, I'll put one net in. Incomplete. I suspect, if you're honest, all of you could identify an area in your life where your obedience to God has been incomplete. A couple songs still hidden on your phone somewhere that God didn't want there. A couple links to somebody or something that ought to be deleted. An area where God wants you to be involved and you don't like it, it doesn't appeal to you, and it's not what you want. Maybe as you end up in a ministry, God's gonna push you somewhere and say, no, no, that one takes too long. That one's too hard. That one's too demanding. I want to do something easier. I'll serve God, but, or just one, net, if you don't mind. Thought he knew better than the Lord Jesus. See, Jesus not only expects us to serve him when it's inconvenient. Peter had been working all night. But he expects us to serve him when it's illogical dumb time to go fishing. It's about noon by now. Any fisherman goes in the morning and the evening. Noon, the sun's warm. The water's hotter. The fish go deep. The bugs they eat aren't on the surface of the water. Dumb time to go. Peter says, no, we don't need all the nets in. I'll put one net in. And he does. And by the way, the Lord let him get away with his incomplete obedience. God doesn't force you to serve him. He calls you. He prompts you. He guides you. He convicts you. He'll judge us. But he wants volunteers. He wants people who are willing when he says, Would you thrust out a little from the land? And then, Would you launch out into the deep to do whatever he tells us to do? They throw the net in the water. They get a big old catch of fish. So many fish, Peter's net begins to break. They call James and John, their partners. They get the fish into the boats, and both boats are so full, they begin to sink. I have always wondered, Dr. Getch, if they put all the nets in the water and could have drug them behind the ship and they wouldn't have broken, how many fish they'd have caught then. See, I have, maybe you do too, maybe you're a better Christian, maybe you don't. I have a tendency to negotiate with God. Well, God, maybe not that, how about this? I started it at our church, something called the Faith Building Offering. Big offering every year to improve our facilities, and we do some other things with it. By faith, we're helping our buildings, and we're building our faith by giving. In the first year, the Spirit of God told me to give $10,000. I didn't have it. But I told everybody, give what you can up front. Commit to give the rest during the the course of the year. And God helped me, and I gave the $10,000. The next year, he told me to give a little more, and the next year, a little more. And finally, one day, I said, Lord, I can't keep giving more money every year. If I do that, pretty soon, I'm going to be giving away more money than I make. Only the government can do that. Lord, I'm giving three times as much as anybody else. I don't need to give more money this year. You see, you need to keep God in the loop about things. You need to inform him about things. that He wouldn't know otherwise. I was teaching a Bible study on Wednesday night. I was talking about trusting God. And... The spirit of God said to me, can you trust me? And I said, Lord, this, this is for them. And he said, can you trust me? And in that moment, I did the hardest and the most important and the sweetest thing and the most valuable thing a child of God can ever do, I surrender. Stop arguing, started saying, yes, sir. I heard a story about a wealthy man. He'd given enough money to build an entire church building, bought the property, furnished it, everything. And not long after that, a financial reversal, then he lost everything else. Job like an ordinary guy and go to work every day, like most of us. He was walking down the street one day with a friend of his who knew his circumstances. They were walking by that beautiful church building, and rather cynically, his friend said, Well, I bet you wish now you hadn't given away all that money. And the former rich man smiled. He said, No. He said, If I had kept that money, I would have lost it when I lost everything else. And he pointed to the church and he said, that's the only thing I saved. Young people, if you miss everything else this morning, you'll miss this. One day you and I all, going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, give an account of the things done in our body, whether they be good or bad. And we're gonna find out No matter how big our house was, no matter how much money we had in the bank, no matter how nice our car was, Uh no matter how many stocks we owned, the only thing we're able to save is what we gave. Lord, guide me as I extend the invitation. Our heads are mild, our eyes are closed. Intermittent, sir. Some of you did pretty good last year in school and got it goofed off in the summer. Some of you worked in a church ministry in the summer and did well and wanted to goof off a little bit in the school year. One net, one foot in the world, one foot with God. Negotiating with God. God, that doesn't make sense. Let's do it like this. So here's my question. I want you to this morning and you say, Brother let I'm not perfect. I need to grow and develop. I want God to use me and work in my life this year. But so far as I know, there is not an area where I'm holding back. There's not an area where God wants nets and I'm putting a net. There's not an area where I Go back to the old way. No songs on the phone don't belong. they are no links I should get rid of. Far as I know.